I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He takes away every branch in me that does not bear fruit, and every one that does, he prunes, so that it bears more fruit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I cannot claim to be a dendrologist or an arborist, not even a botanist, but I can claim to be a pollard. If you've ever been really bored and ever looked up pollard, you'll know that it's a kind of creature, be it an animal with antlers or a tree with branches, that has had the top lopped off. Or in British English, polled. And so, pollard. My British friends, when they greet me, remind me how the name actually is supposed to be pronounced when they say pollard instead of pollard. Whatever. It's a pruned tree. Almost everywhere you go these days where you've seen... Uh, landscapers prepare gardens for spring, you see all the crepe myrtles um, down to bare nothing. The tops have been cut off. In English countrysides, you'll see willow trees completely uh, misshapen in the wintertime. It looks totally wrong until they bear their leaves, and then the shape uh, is attractive. Something like me after a haircut. (laughs) And so our Lord, last week having described us as the sheep, he being the good shepherd, today describes us as the branches. He is the vine. God the Father is the vine grower. And we need to be pruned. But he also says we are already pruned because of the word that I spoke to you. What could this mean? The word that he reveals, first and foremost, is the divine word. He reveals God to us. He reveals God the Father and God the Holy Spirit when we realize that he, the son of Mary, is God the Son. He brings to us the good word, the good news of salvation. Namely, that his death will count for our sins. And that his rising prefigures what will happen to us as well. The very best news of all of this, that the triune God who loves us, who made us in his image and likeness, wants us to participate in his life, not just now in this world. Our life is not limited. God's promises are not limited to this lifetime, but extend into eternity. And so all of a sudden we realize that I won't expect God's justice to be played out completely now. That was one of the first lessons so that those who are suffering now can realize that they may very well be blessed. It could be that they're being punished for their sins, but they may very well be suffering innocently too, just like Christ did on the cross. 
Being punished now, being poor now is not a sign of being cursed as it necessarily would have been understood then. But if you are simple and poor and hated because of him, how blessed you are. Heaven awaits you. We are already pruned because we have already died to this world in baptism and we do not live for this life anymore. We do not live to get as much satisfaction as possible as we can right now. The opposite of this is the expression carpe diem. I know it's in Latin, that doesn't mean it's a good thing. To suck the marrow out of life is not a Christian attitude. To have life abundantly, that's fully Christian. That's totally different from extracting every possible pleasure we can have. Sacrificing no no joy, no delight, no physical spiritual, mental, whatever pleasure that we could have right now. The worst thing that someone could be told in this world is, you can't do that. The greatest sin against this worldly attitude is to tell someone, you're wrong. In contrast, We as Christians see the world as beautiful and fallen, just as we see ourselves and each other as beautiful and yet fallen. We can explain this to others, perhaps from our own experience or those we know. How many times has it happened to me, I don't know, during this Easter season, that someone has admitted in the confessional, I was so much happier during Lent. How many of us, don't show your hands, how many of us really were, really just were, life was just a little better when we, we, when we drank less, when we watched less TV, when we got a little more sleep, when we prayed a little bit more, when we spent a little less time and money on ourselves and did on others, wasn't life actually better? How many of us right now, five weeks after Easter, are realizing, I, I, I need to reinvigorate some of that. Let's get some of that back. That's a lot of us, not just you a lot of us. And so what we realize is that this good news of salvation isn't simply our Lord telling us that heaven will be your reward if you are willing to suffer enough right now, but heaven is what you will already experience now if you remain in me. Yesterday morning for, a, for an old family friend, I did a First Holy Communion Mass for a little girl whose grandfather just died a few weeks ago. And I admitted to her, I know, I know you want your grandfather to be here. But, that, but there's only one place where we will be completely surrounded by everyone we love and everyone who loves us. And that place is heaven. 
Now, don't think of heaven as something that has to wait 80 years or 100 years. By the glory of God, through the sacraments, through his Catholic church, heaven dwells among us. This sanctuary, this tabernacle, is where God dwells, truly, body, blood, soul, and divinity. The Christian is a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Catholic who is in the state of grace, who receives our Lord's body and blood, soul, and divinity, in Holy Communion, is an instance in which heaven actually dwells in the world. Heaven not just as an immaterial place, but where the resurrected body of our Lord, where the assumed body of our Lady dwells. Heaven comes down to be with us. And so when we live like this, we realize that I'm, I'm not really in the world anymore, totally. Part of me is in heaven. Not just because my thoughts are there, but my actual spiritual experience is completely different. It's like one foot is on earth and one foot is in heaven. And so the Christian message to the world isn't stop having fun. You need to delay some of this gratification. You need to suffer a little bit right now, but later on, you're going to be grateful for it. Actually, no. What we're telling the world is, I know you think you're having as much enjoyment as possible. Believe me, that's because you lack imagination. It's possible to have a joy that's even deeper than what you've already experienced. And it's possible now. It's possible if you're willing to let go of the world, let go of your attachments, let go of your affections, and live deeply in the grace of God. And right now, your joy will be deeper. Pray for all the little ones next week who will receive their first Holy Communion, all of our parishioners and in the weeks to come, that they have that experience of heaven being inside of them, that they experience such joy that they ask after Holy Communion for that same thing that St. Maria Goretti asked after her first Holy Communion, simply to be able to receive them again. That's all that I could ever want. And so in the same way that we fast before we receive Holy Communion. We do penance on Fridays before we celebrate on Sundays. I encourage you to lay claim to Friday. Friday is always a day of penance, except for when there's a solemnity. If there's a solemnity on Friday, you eat bacon. But if, if, if not, it's a day of penance. So Easter Friday is the only Friday of the year wired in. You will eat bacon on Easter Friday. Otherwise, Friday we need to reclaim as a day of penance. Because we are pruned already. We don't live for this world. We live for the next. And when we live that deeply, our lives are better. We treat people with greater kindness. 
We're more attentive to our Lord in prayer. We're less preoccupied about ourselves. And inch by inch, we become more and more like God by his grace and to his glory. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.